See this? This is my boomstick. Damn, Jim, what the hell's the matter with you? Well, baby, he's so horny. He's so horny. I'm funny how? Are you funny like I'm a clown? I amuse you? Don't, don't, don't. I make you laugh? I'm here to fucking amuse you? What do you oh, mean, no, funny no, how? No, no, no. Yes, let's just pray I have the energy to get myself this another beer. This town needs an enema. My mom always said... Life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. You have failed me for the last time. Wrong, sir. Wrong. I was saying balloons. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. And Jack left town. Oh, my gosh. And I'm back. Okay. Well... This is Mao, uh, talking to you for the last time from the land of K-pop and freezing cold weather. That's right, South Korea. Now, um, I'm sitting here on a Friday night, uh, enjoying some frosty, cold Cass, which is apparently the sound of vitality. Cass is the local beer here. Um, and that click you just heard was Dan signing off. No, I'm just kidding. Stick around, Dan. Um, should be a pretty entertaining hour. I hope so, anyway. And I w- I'll try not to sound like I'm going to kill myself. Uh, anyway. <clears throat> okay, so. This is the last show from Korea. But why, Mao? The listener might be heard saying. Well, my contract is up. I made it a year, and wow. So, today was, uh, this morning was my last class. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just say my last class teaching English ever, and I'll go on record saying that. Um, hmm. I have a lot of opinions about it, um, which, of course, I will elaborate on. But before I do that, I have a few announcements that I... We'll, we'll put it in the show notes and that I want to get out there so everyone knows. Um, this is the portion where I'm going to start, uh, you know, hawking my wares, so to speak. Not mine, friends of the shows. So, hold on one sec, let me get the emails up. Boy, this is a lot easier at home when I have, you know, two monitors. Anyway, so, the first one is I'm going to ask everyone to... Hopefully click the notes. Um, this is part of it out of my hand, so hopefully click the notes and help out. There's a group called the Devil Music Ensemble. And no, it's not like the typical kind of music I listen to. This is a really um, incredible group. Uh, what they've done is they, they perform, I think, mostly out of New York. Um, I haven't gotten to see them yet, and I've been dying to. I almost flew up to see them a few years ago, but hmm, let's, you know, I, I just couldn't. Basically what this group does, it ha- they have a copy of the only remaining full-length, um, it's, it, it, it's one of the first, if not the first, it's one of the first uh, what I call kung fu um, movies. I know it's like wushu is the hipster term or whatever, I don't give a shit. The, they have a movie called Red Heroin from 1929, and it's a silent kung fu movie. And what they do is they perform a musical score to it, a soundtrack. And they do it live. It's a live orchestra. As So you're sitting there and you're watching 
one of the first kung fu movies ever with this music in the background okay so it's really awesome um devil music ensemble look it up google it on the internet as my father would say and um and look them up if you want to know the information but why i'm kind of pitching them in this first segment is they have their they have a fundraising campaign right now they were given the opportunity to go to china the Jew Festival, J-U-E um, Festival, Jew, Jew, whatever. The Jew Festival in um, Music and Art Festival in both Beijing and Shanghai. So basically, China extended their welcome for them to come and perform um, their orchestra playing, showing one of China's, obviously one of China's, treasures you know this this silent kung fu movie wushu movie from 1929 so they need money to help get to china so we're we'll put a link on the website but if you don't oh god i can't say all this there's like a there's a link that in their email um to click on and and give money or whatever we can do i mean i'm doing my best to put the word out i i want I would love to support them and and help get them there. When they come back, um, I'm definitely got to get to see this group play. Look up the Devil Music Ensemble, um, and you'll you'll see about them and about what they're doing. Very cool. Their their music's out there. I mean, they're out there on the uh, on the uh, web as far as I think there's some on YouTube and stuff like that. So if you want to see what they're about, uh, so please uh, click the link if we have it as, uh, up on the side, and if not look them up online and please give to their cause they are a very cool bunch of cats um, so support them okay the second thing I'm going to hawk of course is that's right it's let's go Japan night once again you know every year I promote the Japan night for my friend Audrey who who Audrey Benton who you know, sends these groups over and gets gets this thing organized, and and they hit up all the different cities. So, Japan Night U.S. Tour 2012, the schedule, um, March 16th, uh, Japan Night SXSW. I don't know where that is. Uh, the 18th Sunday, they will be in Chicago, uh, double at the Double Door. Then March 19th, they will be in the front room public assembly in new york then the 20th they will be in san francisco in the at the independent and then um 21st in what, los angeles la yeah los angeles the viper room okay they'll be playing the viper room wow and uh then finally it looks like they're going to finish their tour on march 22nd in hard rock cafe in vegas they're getting some a little bit more uh a little bit better venue this time um, I think they're gaining popularity. So look them up. Um, HTTP uh, forward slash forward slash SXSW dash ASIA dot com forward slash Japan NITE 2012. Uh, again, I hope we'll have a link in the show notes. Audrey is a good fan of our show. She's, you know, send us uh, CDs to play. She, you know, we she's supported us and we've supported her. Um, if you want to give donations, it looks like they're sending out um, Let's Go Japan Night 
t-shirts for a $30 donation which hey that's cool as hell and uh, you know they they have uh, you can download free posters and stuff off these websites so I'll try to have that linked up um, Audrey Benton again is a good friend of the show so let's support her as best we can if you're in those cities check it out you'll have a great time and if you're not in those cities uh, send her 30 bucks and get a shirt okay and now I swear I'm done hawking things for now now on to the show the one-man show. So, basically, in a nutshell, um, <clears throat> I'm celebrating a year, a hard year of teaching kids that don't give a crap about English. Um, I, you know, one of the things that's going to be difficult. And now, this this has been an incredible year. Trust me. Although I've been, I have I had a lot of hard times, and that's. That's to be expected. This is the first time I'm, I'm on my own. This is the first time I'm in a stranger in a strange world land, you know. So, um, I don't mind that, you know. Um, and eventually, when I got past the bad kids, that's when I felt like a little bit more comfortable and kind of got through it. There was a lot. There was a time when I was really gonna quit. I mean, you know, um, it was it was really brutal. The kids were just terrible, and I had higher expectations. And as time went on, and you get used to your surroundings, and you get used to the reality of things, you know, you just kind of chill out, and and uh, or I just kind of chilled out, and it got a little bit easier. It was never like easy. Let's let, I mean, let's get something right out there in the beginning. Teaching is a shit job. It's hard. Things bomb all the time. You get used to just failure, like. I, I can't really describe it like you'll plan like a lesson plan and you, you know you do all this work and you have the material and whatever you put your work into it and um like one class it's a big hit and they laugh and have fun and the next class bombs it's like it's the worst thing in the world and there's no logic to it it just randomly changes so you know what I did was I learned to just adapt and and just throw as much crap at the wall as you can and eventually something sticks if something's bombing I'd stop and just Here's a word search, or here's a music video. You know, I always had this kind of stuff on hand. And, um, you know, and to be honest, towards the end, when the kids were bad, I kicked them out of the class. I'd be like, well, problem solved. Bye. And that's it, you know. Um, they saw my bad side a couple times, you know, where I was yelling at them. And, you know, one kid, you know, threw his books out the door because, he, you know, he, every day he would, like, come and rip more of his book up. And I was like, well, this kid doesn't even have a book. I just took it and just like, whipped it out the door. And the co-teacher looked at me like, wow. And I just said, like, hey, he doesn't care about it. Why should I? And I went on, you know. I, but the whole exp the experience as a whole, and I, and I think once I get back home and, um, you know, acclimated and I look back on this time, I'll realize what a gift it was, you know. I did have a lot of fun experiencing Korea, different foods, different things, you know. Everything about living in another country is... It's intimidating and hard, but it's cool at the same time, you know. And uh, and of course, I got my I got two two week vacations over in Japan, and that was just glorious. Um, I never felt more at home in my life than I did in Japan, which is really weird. But I was really gonna quit, you know, a couple times, because you just what happens is you end up focusing all your effort on on the the the, the couple bad kids. In the meantime, the, the the good kids that are just there to learn are suffering, you know. So, I got past that, and um, 
and then, and then the rest of the year kind of smoothed out a little bit. Um, I got a lot of encouragement from family and friends. You know, Sally the beer wench was like, "Look, if you quit, it's gonna bother you." It's you know, and I would be raw about it for a long time. I really don't take failure very easily. I'm um, not that I'm like too proud or whatever, but I I just like when I fail at something, it really digs under my skin. You know, I, I always try and I try to succeed more than people think. You know, I, I I know I try to just come across as being laid laid back or whatever or just goofy, but you know when I when I try stuff, I really try. I I don't, I don't want to fail. I don't want to be like you know bad at something. So I put a lot of energy into what I did in this school. So uh, you know, it was a good experience. I had a lot of fun. It was great. But at the same time, I have two weeks left, and now I'm really thankful I'm going home. Um, get back home, you know, I missed my cats, I missed my family, of course, all the dorks, all my friends, you know, and I'm not like, I don't have like lots of friends or whatever, but I mean, you know, I, I miss talking to people. Uh, I also miss not being the freak show, you know, like literally, I'm in a smaller town outside of a city, which is a pretty, it's not a bad thing, you know, I can jump on a couple different buses and get into the city within 10 minutes, so it's kind of good. But the problem with that is, you know, you're like the foreigner. So, like, you, hey, there he is. When I'm walking down the street, you're like, you know, there's no ducking anyone. There he is. That's that guy. I'm that guy. I'm the, I'm the, the one big hairy white dude. You know, and um, on more than one occasion, I, you know, kids cried when they looked at me. Uh, you know, they cower behind their mom. More than normal. You know, I, I, I they, like, they don't. They've never seen a foreigner. Like, and that's the bottom line of it, you know. The, the, Korea is a very, very Korean. Like, there's not a whole lot of other folk walking around. You know, like, like where I live in Florida, you know, down my block has every, you know, race, creed, and color there is under the sun, just about. You know, so we, I, we are in America. We are very used to just this melting pot. Well, that ain't the case. <laughs> um, Japan is very used to foreigners. They don't even, I mean, they, they actually speak, a lot of them speak English, like, not, not like well, but you can understand them, you know, and um, so they don't even bat an eye at a, at, a, at a white guy, at a foreigner or whatever, but um, I'm saying white guy because I can't say woman and I can't say black guy, I only know my experience, so that's why I, I'm casually, flippantly saying white guy, I don't mean it as any kind of a race card thing or whatever, I'm just saying it, that's my experience, so, you know, you understand. You know me. Anyway, I'll be less apologetic after like four beers. So anyway, the um, so on more than one occasion, like these kids cry or they hide, and it's and you kind of like, I always give a smile and the mom always smiles back or whatever. You know, I, I'm very cordial here. I'm much nicer here in Korea than I am in America, only because I know I'm like a representative of my country. You know, on more than one occasion, there'll be a light. The blinking light that says don't walk across the street. The dumb foreigner, me, is standing there waiting for it while everyone else is walking across it not listening to it. You know, it's I, I kind of took it as my obligation to to be on my best behavior this year. You know, and, I mean, in America, I would have just walked across the street, but, you know, everyone's looking at me. And and, I, and although, would, it care in the, would anyone care in the long run? Probably not. But I, I kind of felt it was like the right thing to do was to always be you know, like, always take care and make sure I'm a good representative of our country, too. I don't want them thinking, 
you know, Floridian. Oh Jesus, I don't want them thinking Floridians or um, or Americans are are jerks. You know, sometimes we we need good PR for our country. I think we've lost that uh, mindset. Like a lot of times, you know, the rest of the world thinks we're a bunch of idiots, and we prove them right. Like we, we you know, we need to overhaul our PR. We're, we're a good nation. We just let people badmouth us and 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 kind of you know put Snooky on there. Well, what are you gonna get? There you go. So anyway, back to my original thought off of my fifteenth random broken mind here. You know. So anyway, like like I'll I can't wait to go home and just be nobody again. You know. I've never had any bad experiences. No one's ever said, you know, yelled at the foreigner. Or, well, a couple of crazies, but crazies yell at you all the time. You know what I mean? Like, that's the other thing I noticed. Parks and buses, every country, that's where the crazies are. It doesn't matter. Like, like, they're just, they're, they're just crazy and yelling around in Korean. Not at me, just in general. You know, like, you know the nut thing where people are just, they're off their rocker and they're talking to invisible people and shouting and whatever yeah they're in every call every country i've been to if you go to a park that's where the crazies are and of course buses are probably the crazies going to punch in for their shift at the park that's my theory on that so yeah you know so basically the end of a year of excitement and frustration and fun and more frustration and failure and some victories but yeah so that's why i'm drinking beer enjoying life uh it's snowing outside which is a rarity here uh back where i live in florida it's i miss florida very much because it's cold as hell it's the one one of the hardest things about in the cold now i do hate cold a lot um but like the sidewalks have two and three inches of ice. And I don't mean like, oh, patches of ice. I mean like ice skaters could race on these sidewalks. And no one puts anything on them. And I'm not very accustomed to walking around on ice. So uh, I don't do so well. Basically, I walk in the street. I can't. I, I have so much hard time walking on ice, I can't do it. So I am very excited to get back to Florida. So, I don't know. You know, the last week um, when I was, every class would come in and I'd pretty much say, you know, look, uh, this is it. I gave them a worksheet that was all different goodbyes from different parts of the country, or different countries, you know, how they say goodbye. And uh, I basically said, well, the reason you're getting this is because I'm leaving. And, um, you know, if and I said, if anyone wants to take my email address, if you want any help with... Um, with your English in the future, or if you just want to say hello, or whatever, you know, because to be honest, there there was a lot of kids that were really sweet and and really you know were nice and they liked me and they laughed and you know like I said I always tried my best to to at least give a positive impression you know um, I always made time for any kid that wanted to talk I always smiled even when I was having a bad day I made sure I smiled because I want these kids to feel at ease with foreigners you know i spent a lot of time angry in the beginning and um because i i didn't realize kids were so disrespectful and everyone keeps saying well they're disrespectful here because they're poor and i was in a poor school and it was like the lowest level 
you know, that's part of the problem. I wasn't, if I was in an academy or whatever, the kids acted how I expected they would act. That wasn't the case. So the kids were pretty brutal. You know, they were bad kids from a bad area and probably bad parents too. So I read this one blog where the, where he the guy was talking about how he was like, why are the kids so sad here and everything? And they, and they were the kids were telling him about the last teacher was always angry and always mean. So they they were afraid to talk. And this was pretty early on in my stay here in Korea. And that really struck a chord with me, and I was like, that's me. That's be, that's who I'm becoming. So that made such an impression on me, and I didn't realize it, you know. Like, we're, I'm, like I'm used to dealing with adults. You know what I mean? Or like, we're used, look, look around you. You deal with adults. You don't, you don't, it's not that you don't care about feelings, but you know everyone can deal with it. If you're having a bad day, most people go, eh, he's having a bad day, who cares? And he'll be back tomorrow, and it doesn't matter. But that's not how a kid's brain works, and I realized that, and I was like, "Look, you know, look, look, self." I was saying to myself, "You gotta just, just be, be a better person," you know. And um, once I started doing that, and I started making time for kids, and like always smiling and always saying hello, even the bad kids, I said, "Hello, how are you today?" and and just made a different, made made an effort, and I did notice that that helped a lot as far as, and the kids would smile sometimes or or laugh or goof around and they knew like I could never really be goofy me those of you who know me know I can be really like laugh and goof around and I'm I'm pretty silly as a person generally that that wasn't the way this school was so I couldn't ever really be fully nutty mao you know but but I but I I tried my best to make them laugh and be a little bit silly here and there and it worked so okay let's go to a music break um and when I come back I'll start talking. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. Unfortunately, this is gonna be an hour long of talking about Korea. Um, one of the things I fear the most is I'm gonna turn into that this one time at BAM camp girl, where I just keep every time somebody says something, I go, yeah, this one time in Korea, this one time in Korea. So I, I hope our listeners aren't in for a uh, a bad <laughs> experience with me always talking about Korea. Trust me, I have other things in life. And I'm assuming my this one time at band camp will will like you know slowly di- like get less and less until finally you know it's just me talking again. I'm gonna try not to bury everyone with Korea talk or Japan talk. It's gonna be hard, but you know tr- try and cut me some slack on that angle. All right, here's some music and I'll be right back. Hi, I'm looking for Ray Pinkle and the clean pair of shorts.
Where's the bong? Alex, you forgot smoking lamp. All right, thank you very much. Coffin Lids, they're one of our earliest bands that let us play their music, and I still love them very much. So that was Tonight You're Gonna Die in My Garage. <clears throat> yes. Basically, uh, what happens is I go out and I find these new bands, and the older bands get less and less rotation, but it's not that I don't like them, you know. Um, you know, they're one of my favorites, actually. Coffin Lids, Electric Frankenstein, both were very cool to me um, and, and very appreciative that I played their music, so I always want to make sure I take care of them. So, uh, but yeah, I did score a lot of punk and uh, a lot of music in Korea. I thought there was only K-pop, which was really killing me. And then finally I started finding these uh, some, some of these punk bands and getting to the venues. I, I told you guys about some of the punk concerts I've been to. And man, I was, you know, they were always so gracious and so cool. So I have a, I'm bringing back a lot of CDs that we have permission to play. So I'll be rolling those out and probably doing some more music videos. Um, there was a couple uh, music videos that I made in the dubbed 420 days that I really were proud of. Uh, one where I set a, a, a punk band song to um, this Godzilla fight. And the way I edited it and cut it up, it really got good. I, I got to find it and put it up on our site. I think you guys will really like it. So I'm going to play around with some of that stuff using um, the old um, public domain movies and stuff and trying to make some stuff. Um, I keep saying stuff. Sorry. Make some music videos. So, so yeah. I'm celebrating that um, school is over. I still have two weeks of desk warming duty, and basically that means I go to school and sit there and do nothing. There's no kids there or anything like that. I'm just required to go. I uh, I finagled a few days off, so I'm off Monday and Friday, and then I'm off the following Monday, and those are my that's my last week. You know, I'm 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 out. So the whole these two weeks, and actually the last two weeks have been spent. As soon as I got back from uh, Japan, I started, you know, packing stuff up and mailing boxes home and mailing stuff home and selling stuff off, you know. Um, you just, you accumulate so much crap, you don't really realize it, you know. Um, so I sold off a bunch of stuff, and I've been mailing box after box home, which is costing me a ton. But, uh, whatever, it's cool. Um, it, you know, one of the things, I, I, I bought this guitar when I was in Korea. Like at first, um, the two, two, two or three of the things that I really have done a lot of since I'm in Korea, um, I, I, I lost a lot of weight, you know, I was really getting fat. And uh, I, I mean, the bad news is I lost like 55 pounds and I'm still fat. So that sucks, but whatever. I'm less fat. But one of the things that happened was, you know, I dropped just from moving here and not having a car. I lost like 10 or 15 pounds, like not even like trying, you know? And then I was like, well, I gotta keep this rolling, you know, I'm not doing anything anyway, I don't have any family, friends, nothing, I mean, I'm just sitting in an empty apartment, so I got a gym membership, and I went faithfully to the gym, and I work out like a freak, you know, I mean, I, like, I, I, like, I lift a lot of weights, I was, I was always really dedicated, and I, um, would go to the tread, on the treadmill and everything, so I, I rolled more and more weight off me, you know, I lost, uh, so I, I lost a total of 55 pounds since I came here, so that's cool, I mean, I'm, I'm a lot thinner, not a lot, I mean, I'm a lot thinner, but I'm still fat, like I, like I said. And the other, one of the other things I did was, um, I bought a guitar, and I was, I was never really serious into guitars, not as serious, but I liked playing them, but I always sucked. 
And you know why you suck? Because you don't practice enough. So during this whole year, I've been really practicing a lot of just just making you know pentatonic scales and and chords. I'm still not great, but I'm you know I'm working. And what happened was I found this crazy high-end guitar on the Cra- local Craigslist, and um, and I met the guy, and I ended up buying this guitar. You know, so I'm bring- I'm coming home with this guitar that is literally like. I have no reason to bu- to own this guitar. It, it it is so freaking nice. It's like one of those semi hollow bodies, and it is it's like t- it's an upper end musical instrument, you know. So I'm really I'm I'm happy. I love it. I love playing it, you know. So I I mean I'm lucky that I I I'm bringing that home with me. Um, so even worst case scenario, even if this year was terrible, you know, I'm still bringing home an awesome guitar. <laughs> so that's really cool. And uh, so I've been, and I played a lot, and I practiced a lot. So I, I'm hoping to get together with uh, Houston, and um, and there was a there was another guy at uh, at where I used to work um, who plays a lot of guitar, and I, and I think I'll probably get together with him and play a little bit. You know, well, actually, two. Slashbert is one guy who who has a bunch of guys that kind of kick around and informally jam and. I, you know, I, I like to do that. I'll try that. Hopefully, they like you know they let me hang out with them a little bit here and there. And another guy I used to work with, um, he doesn't have a name. Jeez, uh, I'm gonna call him BMX. Uh, he he's an older guy like me, but he he digs on the uh, you know retro BMX stuff, the '80s, which is what I consider the good years of BMX. So I'm right there with him. Um, he plays a lot. He plays in a couple different bands. He's a good drummer. He's a good guitar player. So I'll definitely try and jam with him a little bit. That'll be cool. So, yeah, I'm feeling real happy right now. You know. So let me let me uh, switch gears and talk about my Japan trip. Cause yeah, again, this is gonna just be like Korea talk nonstop. So on January 20th, I went to Japan for two weeks, which was freaking awesome you guys remember how creamy i was when i came back from japan in summer trip well winter trip was no different uh it was incredible and awesome and i loved every second of it um one of the funniest things about the japan trip in japan i went in summer and it was the hottest week of in japan for that year and yep you guessed it when i went in japan this time it was the coldest week in japan so yeah. Anyway, you, you, I didn't care. I mean, I really didn't care at all. Um, to start the trip off, I landed in Tokyo, and I met. Uh, basically, like we have. Ex- uh, basically, uh, I've worked with exchange students, or exchange students have lived with, lived with me, so um, I got to stay with them in Japan, which was really awesome. So I met the first exchange student, uh, Kiddo, and Kiddo is named after Kiddo from uh, Kill Bill. Obviously, that's not her real name, but I always called her Kiddo because um, I didn't want to call her Gogo, but, you know, Kiddo sounded better. So I met Kiddo, and we went to the 5678s concert, and in case no, in case you don't know, you don't know me, I am an insane 5678s fan. You know, I, I they're like my favorite band. You know, I have all their singles, all their vinyl, all their 
different colored vinyl, all their CDs, all their DVDs, all everything, you know. Um, every now and then I make fan art and I mail it to them and sometimes they put it on their website. Like, it's, like, they're kind of like a, just a garage band, but, but I really, like, I love their sound. I love, they are, like, the, the essence of cool to me. So, the, the prospect of seeing them was, I, I was just crazy. I couldn't believe it. I was so happy. What happened was I was going to see them in, in, um, in Chicago. About a couple years ago, I was going to fly to Chicago and see them, but I couldn't. Um, not because of money, I just couldn't. I mean, I was going to fly from Florida to Chicago to see them and then fly home, but I couldn't get there. Uh, just I couldn't get off and all that stuff from work. And then they were coming, uh, later they were coming, um, they were landing in Texas and doing New Orleans and then Atlanta and going home. And I they I bought the tickets for the venue in in um, New Orleans, and I ha- and I was book I booked the hotel and Katrina hit, and they canceled their tour because I mean you know the news over in Japan was like oh well all of all of America's gone you know so they canceled their trip, so I was bummed out about that. So then finally, um, so this was like, finally I get to see them, you know. So me and Kiddo are there in the uh, the day of the, the concert, and they're playing at this place called the UFO Club in um, Kendai. I don't know. I, sorry, I can't remember the some place in in Tokyo. So they're playing at the UFO Club, and I was like, "Oh, this is great. We're finally getting to see them." They're sold out. We go. Uh, Kiddo calls there to find out directions and all that stuff, and they goes, "We're they're sold out." And I, like, sat down and, like, I didn't know if I was going to cry, punch a hole in the wall, have a heart attack, or D, all of the above. Probably D. So I'm trying my best to hold it together. Because although Kiddo is now, you know, an adult, I'm still, like, fa- like I still want to be, like, you know, cool like a, like, the fa- like a father. You know, like, I want to try and hold it together. And my brain is frying, and I'm, like, having a heart attack. And I said, Kiddo... Call them up, call them back, and say, listen, tell them I flew here from America, and tell them, ask, is there any way they can they can get us into this concert? So she did that, and it worked. So, oh my God, the the heart the heart attack was the crisis was averted, and 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 I could get to this show, and and they let us they they like took our names down and let us in. And I, I was like, oh my god, thank you so much. So, one of the things about these smaller punk shows, these smaller garage shows, sometimes you can meet the band. I, I had that in my brain, but in my in reality, I'm like, look, because they were the band that was playing at the the Blue Leaves, um, in Kill Bill, House of the Blue Leaves was the scene where Uma Thurman basically hacked through all the bodyguards to get to Oranishi. So. There was the trio of Japanese women dressed in, like, uh, almost looked like Supreme's outfits with the beehive hair. They were the ones that playing. They play Woohoo. They play, you know, there, there's, there's some songs. You know them. Even though you don't know who 5678s are, you know them. You know their songs. So, anyway, where the hell was I? So, I, I was figuring, like, look, they achieved, like, kind of celebrity status by that being in that movie. So I assumed I probably wouldn't be able to meet him. Um, 
the other thing that that was going on in the, before this was um, I took their original logo, their 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 band logo from 1980s. They were around since the 80s. I took it and I digitized it, and I cleaned it up as best I could. And and my mother has like an embroidery machine, so we made patches of the five, six, seven, eight's original logo. Now I I, I have like a patch jacket that's like kind of crazy you know i add to it it's almost like tattoos like where i add to it every year i add to it like events things in my life but most every patch has a meaning to it you know so i made my mother made five patches one for me one for kiddo and three for the band members so i wanted to get to give them these patches you know and it, and i was like this might not happen and, but I figured maybe it would, because, like I said, these are just playing in bars and stuff like that. You can usually get to the band, or the band is usually around. Hell, half the time the band's sitting there and I'm drinking beer with them, you know, in the, in these Korean punk bands. So, the the show opens, and this place was slammed-packed. Apparently I wasn't the only uh, exception they made, because I'll tell you what. This room was the size of my living room, and there was 150 people in it. It was insane. Like, to clap, you slowly brought your hands up to your, like, from your side to your chest and went, and then slowly tried to squeeze down to your sides again. That's how full it was. Um, luckily, I was in, like, the third row of smashed people, so I could see them really well, and and uh, and they played, ah, it was so, I mean, it was so great. I, I was so happy to hear them play, and they... You know, there was they were like, "What should we play next?" And it was quiet, and I yelled out like my favorite song that they did, which is kind of an obscure one uh, called "In the Subway." And she, you could see, and Ronnie thought Ronnie's the singer, guitar player. And Ronnie kind of thought for a minute, and she goes, "Hmm," and then she goes, "Okay," and then she turned around and talked to her drummer, and then they 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 started playing, and they they played my song, and I was like, "Oh my god," so it was really cool. And what happened is this place has a big red. Um, like two-sided, uh, what are the thing? curtains that kind of close off, and that's it. So I, I, in my mind, I knew what was going to happen. They finished playing, the curtains closed, and that was it. So, um, I quickly pushed through everyone, and went under illegally went under the curtain, and said, which is excuse me, excuse me, you know, in Japanese. And they saw me, and I just kind of handed it to them and said, oh, you know, thank you. And um and they were like oh thank you so much you know they were like really nice about it but I was like and I ducked back out because you know they just played a set they don't you know I, I don't want to be that dick the, like the guy that's like being a pain in the ass to the band that's tired and they just want to you know pack up and go so I said thank you I gave them the patches they said thank you very much and I I they I felt that they were pretty pretty um, sincere about it and then and then I ducked back out and that was it so basically. Then I just went to the bar, and 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 this place is getting more full, and I'm like, holy shit, because there was some band on afterwards. It was like DJ something, I don't even know, but more people were coming in, and at this point, I, I was like, hey, kiddo, I, I'm not going to make it here much longer. You know, this is kind of wacky, and she agreed, and we were getting ready to go, and then I see the bass player come out, and she was with some somebody, and they were they went into the bar and got a beer, and I was like, hold on, kid. Uh, I said, uh, let's just stay here until she comes back, because there was like a door that, like there was a, some uh, thick, thick neck guarding, 
he wasn't really that big, but you know what I'm saying. Like a bouncer was keeping people from going in and, and harassing the band. The bass player comes walking back through, and I said, oh, you know, I said, thank you very much for such a great show. And I said, I'm, I'm a huge fan. And she goes, oh, you, you made those patches for us. And I, first of all, I was like, wow, you know, she she remembered. That was kind of cool. And then um, and she started saying, oh, thank you. That was so nice and so sweet. And everything. I was like, holy shit. So and I talked to her just for like just briefly. It was one of those things where I said, you know, listen, I'm, I'm so thankful that I got to see you. And, and thank you for such a great show. It was wonderful. And she was equally uh, kind back to me. And it didn't seem like that bullshit formal. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to say nice things because his dick standing right here. Um so it was great. I mean, the experience to me, the experience was really fun, and I, I made uh, I made some uh, fan art and mailed it to mailed it to uh, Sachiko, who's the drummer, and she wrote back and said, "Oh, you know, thanks for the art, and also, and she says, thanks for making those patches. They were really awesome." So all in all, I mean, I was really, I was just like, I I was just sitting there like I swear I was ready to like cry. I was so happy just watching them play, and it was so awesome. You know that that's one of the not most important things in my life, but I'll never forget that I got to see them. You know, that, that's like my favorite band of all time. And and like you're like, wow, you finally get to see them, and it's so awesome. You know, so that was a great time. And uh, I'll get back to the rest of the trip of Japan after the music break. And no, I'm not gonna play their music on the podcast because I don't have permission. If they gave me permission to, I would play them, of course. But I. And you guys will get sick of it because that's all I would play. But yeah, I'm going to go to a second music break. And when I come back, I will finish talking about Japan. And then I will tell you some of the great news I got while I was in Japan. I arrive in America's airport with clothing, U.S. dollars, and a jar of gypsy tears to protect me from AIDS.
I just ate the most acid I've ever seen anybody eat in my life. All right, and that was, of course, uh, Midnight Smoke and Drive. They uh, were the band that I met and really got to know here in Korea. I uh, I know them kind of, not personally, but kind of personally. Very cool. I really dig their music, man. I hope they go, I hope they go far, and I hope they at least keep playing. I know... It's pretty tough for these kind of bands to get famous, but man, I, I really love their sound. And that's a beer being opened, so that's why I'm kind of going to power through this last segment before I start getting stupid. See, I have learned my lesson, Dan. Anyway, so on to back to Japan. We I got we got to see uh, five, six, seven, eight, heaven. Then the next day we went to Akihabara, and if anyone doesn't know who Akihabara is, Look it up. It's basically nerd heaven. It's a city, an entire city in Korea, in, in Korea, Jesus, in Tokyo, that is built around nerd culture, video games, comic books, AKB48, which is this girl band that is in it. I can't fathom this popularity. They were in every store. There was a goddamn hardware hardware store that was selling AKB48 shit, and I'm like, really? Anyway. And arcades, just, it was like, it was too much. Like, you're walking around and you're just like, I, 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 this is too much for me. You know, the cosplay, there's people dressed up like all, you know, like cosplaying. And it was a lot of fun, but after after a while I was just like, holy shit, this is a kind of, this is a little bit much. So Kiddo, we're about to leave and Kiddo's friend shows up. This is in Tokyo. And, and she's the same age as Kiddo. And she's like, well, you got to go to a maid cafe. And I'm like, what is that? And she's like, well, they serve you and they dress like French maid outfits and they act like goofy, like like cutesy. I don't, I don't know how to describe it. And I'm like, well, okay. You know, at this point, it's two to one. I'm like, whatever. Okay, you know, and I don't really care. You know, I'm like, fine, that's cool. So we go to this maid cafe and... um at this point, I'm at the mercy of two Japanese girls, and I'm like, okay, whatever. And they're like, and we sit down, and this girl comes over, and she's like, what do you want to order? You know, in, in, in Japanese, and it's like that high-pitched, crazy, shrill Japanese. Not like real, not not like how they actually talk. Like, like it almost sounds like a baby screaming through a microphone. And um, and we and I order a coffee, and the girls order their food and stuff, and then they're like, well, you're getting your picture taken with one and I was like okay whatever just you know like I said at this point I'm like you pick and they're like who do you want to get your picture taken with I was like you choose uh, you know so the 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 girl comes out with our with our drinks and stuff and she ha- she's wearing like this like cat ears and and like just like the most craziest anime japan cutesy looking thing in the world and she goes now, when you want me to stop putting sugar in your coffee, you go, nyan, 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 like a cat. So, she put putting sugar into my coffee, and I had, to make her stop, I had to go, nyan, 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 and she goes, ah, and she starts giggling, and then she brings out the, the, the food for the girls, and then she starts making them, like, they had to sing, like, uh, the cat over the moon with the thing, and I was like, this is insanity. You know, like, you're not allowed to take pictures, because I would have recorded the entire thing. And, like, you you pay extra if you want to play, like, games with them. And the girls play games. And they're like, oh, yeah. Like, it's insanity. That, that, that there is a culture built around this is crazy. 
But I, I mean, it was funny and fun. And then I went and got my picture taken, and the girl's acting super cute. And there's like a prop closet. So kiddo's like handing me things to wear and put on. And finally, we settled on me holding a fake 45. And um, I, I think there was rabbit ears or vampire ear, vampires. I don't know. I, I, I don't have the picture with me. But so, so there's this girl act, acting like the cutest thing in the world, and I'm holding a 45. And I was like, well, that's kind of realistic. But anyway, so it was a fun time. So then after Akihabara, um, you know, the, her friend Saki went home, and then um, and then we went the next day. We went to Ginza, and Ginza is basically like Fifth Avenue or Soho, where someone like me has no business being. You know what I mean? Like, there's no reason I would be there whatsoever. So we're walking around and we're looking at windows and in, in uh, window shopping. I, I see a freaking two million dollar watch, a two million yen watch, which with the current exchange rate is like a billion dollars. I don't even know what it is in dollars. So I was like, holy shit, that's a two million yen watch. And then, and then we were like walking around, and I was like, let's find the most expensive watch. So we we're like looking in all these windows, and I swear to God, I found a one watch that was four point six seven million yen. That is literally like a seven million dollar watch for a freaking watch. I was like. Holy shit. So anyway, that Ginza was interesting that we were there, but eh, now I'm glad I'm gone. The next leg of the Japan tour was Kobe. The cool thing about Kobe was I was staying at the exact same place, the exact same everything. I knew my way around. I knew I knew the shops. I knew everything. Kobe was where, if you remember the last time when I was there in summer, that's where I found the Super Famicom, which is the Super Nintendo, and the games, and the records, and the used records, and all the cool shit. Well, guess what? Same thing. So I'm walk, walking around. I had like four days in Kobe, which is the same, and it's the same area, so I know everything. I know where everything is. So I'm just, I just, I bought up some vinyl. I bought up some uh, old vinyl records. Uh, I found the Runaways live in Japan for like 50 yen. Like nothing. That shit is so expensive. That that, it, that goes for like thirty-five to forty-five dollars on eBay. I'm not selling it. I mean, I was like, I couldn't believe the find. I was like, holy shit! The Runaways have like Pat Benatar and uh, Lita Ford. You know, it's that that find alone was like holy hell. And then I found um, a couple more games and stuff. And then uh, so I had a great time in Kobe. And then I went to Osaka for the last week. And then in Osaka, I saw like Shogun Palace. The, M- the Imperial Palace. Uh, I, I went to had a I had a tea ceremony where you know the the team the, the team master master I don't know the lady comes out with like and does like specific movements and and you you do specific movements and drink the, the, the tea. It was really cool, you know. And um oh I forgot I went to the I went to a samurai sword shop. This was in Tokyo. Let me back up a step. I w- and. It was four floors, and this was like authentic, verified, real samurai swords with the lineage and stuff like that, you know. It was part museum, part store. Like, you could buy this shit if you had billions of dollars. And the guy walked with us and talked in some English, some Japanese, but I had kiddo with me so I could translate, you know, a translator. And, uh... I'm like looking at real swords, like real, some of them were like 25 million yen because they were owned by samurai and they were used in wars, like 
these these swords killed people. They were like really like, and it was just insane. And parts of it where you there was no there was nothing you could touch them if you wanted to, but I mean they didn't want you to touch them like. But you could like go right over them with like a magnifying glass. He gave me one of those like flashlight magnifying glasses to look at the detail of the subas and the hardware. Like those are the little things in the handles. Not the suba isn't, but like you could look at all that stuff. I I, I couldn't believe this. I mean, I, I I was like I wish I was like rich. I would have that guy would have had been so happy. They would have closed early. Like the scene from the Terminator. I'm gonna close early. Boom. Anyway, sorry, broken head. So that was really awesome. And then um, I also got to, when I went to Osaka, I spent one day with uh, the last exchange student that stayed with me. And she, 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 her and her grandmother took me to a, like a motorcycle street. One of the funny things about Asia, I'm assuming Asia, I haven't been to China or anything, but like I know Korea and Japan, I'll say that. One of the funny things about Korea and Japan is... There's like the stores are kind of in districts. Like if you want, um, if you're looking for a motorcycle, you go to that one street or that one city block, and that's where every damn motorcycle shop is in the world. I'm not quite sure the logic behind this. Like if you want hardware, you go to the hardware district district in Korea, and there's like 900 stores, and they sell the same thing and virtually the same price. And I'm like, well. Why is this like this? Like, why wouldn't there be one in every little street? But I don't, you know, I'm a foreigner. So they took me to Motorcycle Street, uh, Kyok and Grandmother. And we were walking around just looking at crazy cool. Japan does retro cool better than any nation in the world. Like, their new motorcycles look like they're from the 70s. They have scooters that are, like, decked out like like choppers. And not cheesy lights hanging from them choppers. I mean, they look like Jesse James built them. You know, and they have all these mods on them. And then there's, like, these guys that have, like, they take scooters and they look like stretch limousines and they have stereos and, like, hydraulics and shit on them. I had a ball. And I, I was taking all kinds of pictures. And then we're walking out, go, ready to go home, and I find a freaking Japanese construction sign store. And I walked by and I and I looked at Kid uh, Kyok and I was like, you know we're going in here, right? And she just laughed and she's like, sure. And I go in there and I'm like looking at these signs and it's like the cheesiest, craziest signs, like like at construction sites and and they the art they use at construction signs is freaking hilarious. Like I can't even describe it. The, like the guys they draw are like, I I, I don't know. It's like. I can't even describe it. They're hilarious. So, and I'm like, ask him how much this sign is. There was two signs hanging on the wall that that struck me right away. They were construction sites. There's a, like this guy that's in a construction hat, and it, one says toilet. It says toilet in in English, and then it says toilet in Japanese. And then there's like a blank spice for something. I don't know what that's for. And I go, ask him how much this is. And he comes over and he goes, 420 yen. And I said, wrap it up. It's this big metal sign. There was one below it that said "smoking room." <laughs> it was the same guy, except this time he had a cigarette in his mouth. And I was like, "Eh, nah." And I wasn't sure if he meant if this was like a sample and he was going to bring out some plastic shit or some cardboard. And I said, "What is this made of?" No, metal sign, metal toilet sign with a Japanese dude on it. Four hundred and twenty yen. 
That's like four bucks. And I was like, you got to be shitting me. So I should have bought a hundred of them and just made my ceiling in the studio back home, the, the toilet smoking guy. But as it were, I just have one. So now there's a awesome toilet, Japanese toilet sign in our studio in the, for the BOD. And there was a whole bunch of other stuff. I I, I have to rush because I I know I'm I'm over the hour. I mean, I wanted to spend one segment on the greatest news that I got when I was in Japan. And some of you might laugh at this, and some of you might say, uh, "Oh, you know, he's stupid or whatever." When I was in Japan, I got an email from uh, a, a, a former boss of sorts. And he said, call me. And I said, well, uh, you know, I'm in Japan, but uh, you could, we can Skype, and that way it's free, and that's cool. So I Skyped with um, the director uh, back where I used to work, and he offered me a position. Now, I worked at the same place for 14 years. Um, sometimes I was a little bit tired of it, but I was never really, like, I never hated my job. I'll put it that way. If you do something long enough, you're going to get tired of it here and there, but by and large, it was a really cool place to work. The reason I left for Korea wasn't because of my job. I'll put it that way. Um, and he offered me a position back, one of the more original positions. I've been in, out, in and out of management a couple times um, uh, at, at, at that at the at where I worked. So uh, this was kind of... Um, uh, helping to make the making the widgets, not telling people how to make the widgets, and I was so happy. You know, I really can't even describe how happy um, I am to be going back to where I called home for so many years. The I don't you know you know like the prospect of trying to fit in somewhere else, or the prospect of of um, changing careers, it it didn't frighten me, you know. I'm not like timid or afraid of something, but I really liked where I was, and it was always in the back of my mind that I would try to go back there, even after, even when I, you know, when I got back home, I would just get wherever I could get. But I would always probably check in and say, "Hey, do you have any whatever?" So the fact that um, I talked with him, and and he, you know, he verbally gave uh, offered a position, and I accepted. Of course, you know, not only did that make my last month in Korea kind of like heaven, like where I, that cloud wasn't hanging over me of like, oh, how am I gonna like live, you know? It also kind of it it, it made me so happy to be going back to like friends that I know there, and 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 not familiarity because things change. I mean, it's gonna be. I have to learn some stuff when I go back, of course, but I, I I was I was just so kind of like blown away by the by the gesture first of all, and also you know just so happy to be back with my friends. So I mean I think I mean I'm gonna repay them by doing a, the best job I can every day, and you know and of course uh, I I thanked him very deeply and and sincerely the, and my my the boss that ex- extended the position. I, I thanked him very sincerely because um, in this day and age, you know, that kind of thing, unfortunately, is 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 a dying breed where people will, you know, seek out and say, oh, you know, hey, this is what we're doing for you. We're taking care of you. And they did take care of me. So I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Um, I hope that I 
that I uh, prove how thankful I am every day when I when I get back to there. So basically, in a nutshell, it's Friday night. My school's done. I'm drunk. Uh, soon I'm coming home to my cats, Sally the beer wench, and um, then after a week, I'm going back to my old job, and I'm going to do what I've done for many, many years, and hopefully everyone is thankful to see me again. And that's it. That's going to be the end of the story for this BOD show 214. When I get back, I will no doubt be cracking the whip much harder, so these will be weekly. And uh, I think you're going to be happy with a few more surprises we got coming for you. So, thanks for listening. I hope I wasn't too boring, and I hope uh, you all get a, you all enjoyed the show. I will see you next time. This is Mouse signing off for the last show live from Korea. This is what I better give the date. February uh, what the 10th, February 10th, 2012. I'll see y'all on the other side. <laughs>